morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Fancy File Podcast. I am your host, Greg the Scott, and I have with me today uh, a pretty good round table, even though we're at a rectangle table, but uh, we'll pretend it's round, of co-hosts that are going to help me to unlock the Fancy File filing cabinet so we can take that file out and read it and study it together. So I have with me today... Uh, Mick, who's looking rather rejoiced. Yes, I am. The sun's out. It's beautiful. Um, summer's in the mind. And by the time this episode comes out, it'll be right there. Well, you never know. Maybe we'll forget all about it and it'll be released in the wintertime. That's true. That could very possibly that could happen. happen. And yeah. everyone would wonder again where, where we went. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Maybe. That's a good band. It's true. Maybe. <laughs> Realistically, we'd have gone absolutely nowhere. That's fair. Still at this rectangular round table. That's true. We'll, we'll figure that out. Uh, also, we have returning uh, Melanie, who was away for a few podcasts. Uh, Melanie, how are you? I'm really well. Super happy to be back. Super happy? Super happy. Not I've... extraordinarily happy? Say what you want. Say what I want? Okay. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just feel like you could be more happy. Oh my goodness. I'm thrilled. That was fake. It was forced. We don't okay, accept that. Okay, well, I'm sorry. You I'm are, just refreshed. You and will I'm be glad to sent be to the kitty table of shame. Yeah. This one? <laughs> the little t- kitty table. <laughs> I love that table. There's I a accept. Table. There's a little table next to the rectangle. And uh, there it is. That's Everyone now knows about it. Yeah. Uh, now, before we dive in, I think there's a few things that I want to get Mick uh, to share with us. Well, first of all, like and subscribe. Go find us on the internet, uh, specifically on Facebook. We have the Fancy File Podcast Facebook page, which we'd recommend that go there. That would be the place if you want to reach out and talk to us. would be the best option uh, to communicate with us. And if you have questions, someone, Mick, will respond to you. Exactly. Good. I'll respond. He'll respond. Maybe not the answer you want, but I'll respond. That's good. Maybe it'll be better than the answer you want. That's true. So if you want to know what that answer will look like and to communicate with Mick online, go to the Fancy File podcast Facebook page. And that's where you'll get information about when we release the podcast, which is usually every two weeks, but sometimes we freestyle it. Yeah, sometimes uh, by freestyle, um, we forget. I just forget. We forget to put it out. I just forget. It, it happens. Because we're not paid to do this. No, no, no. And it, even if we were, I think, uh, I know myself enough. I'd, I'd probably forget. You'd forget too. <laughs> it's like every week is the other week. No, no, this is the week where we don't post one. No, that's exactly. Uh, Mick, I think you have some exciting news about a potential book. It's true. It's very true. My second book, 700 Wives, is coming out. And uh, this is an autobiography, right? Uh, no. No, it's <laughs> not yet. Oh, not yet. Uh-oh. Well, let's be real. I, I wouldn't know what to do with one wife. Um, but um, Treat her honorably? Oh, yes. That, yes, 100%. Good. Yes. But, um, yes, it's about sin and King Solomon and... Uh, if you liked my first book, this one's better. If you didn't like my first book, this one's also better. So it's a win-win. And if you don't like this book that comes out, you can go and order the first book. That's true. <laughs> Called Not at Home. 
which is just or was it or is it No Way Home? It's Spider Man. Yeah, Lost at home. It's not at home. Not at home. Okay. Um, which is which is true right now. You're not at home. It's true. I'm not at home. Well, for all of us, we're not at home. But because I'm a French Quebecer, I'm always at home. You're always at home. If I'm fair. in Quebec, that's fair. Mm. Yeah. So that's that. even Westmount. No. Okay, he's not at home in Westmount. Actually, the second I step onto the island, I'm no more at which home. Which island, though? You know. Oh, okay. We do know. <laughs> no one's talking about Laval. Uh-huh. You feel at home in Laval? No, but no Shout one does. Shout out to people who are live in Laval. If you're listening from Laval, why don't you just send us a message and say, hey, you, you mentioned where we lived. Yeah. And, and we'll respond back. Maybe we'll even go to Laval, take a photo, and we'll send it to you. That's not by mail, through Messenger. Yeah, and let's be real. Maybe you're our close friend who lives in Laval. Or it could be our close friend who lives in Laval. <laughs> and so but we won't say who it is. We won't say who it is, but... If you're listening to this episode, shout out to you. A shout out. We haven't seen you, I'm assuming, in a while. So that's fair. So uh, we love you and miss you. And well, somebody misses us. Melanie misses you. <laughs> Awkward pause. And <laughs> uh, we, we want to say this. We've said this before. If you are a longtime listener and you'd like a shout out from where you are listening you maybe you don't want your name to be shouted out uh and hey even if you gave us your name there's probably a chance someone someone might butcher it so but we'll shout out where you live and if you like that you know you want that to be done just write in and, and we'll uh say hey someone from uh so and so land sent us a message yeah shout out guy incognito incognito yeah Look, someone from said island or wherever, and we'll shout you out. 100%. Yeah. Make you feel at home that you're a part of the Fancy File team. And we have merch, too. I don't know. We, we don't really talk about that as often, but there is merch. You could get some Fancy File shirts with the I have to believe on the back. Is that yes. what it is? Yeah, okay. Uh, and um, although there was new merch on the way, I don't think. It'll be ready. Oh, there is new merch. Potentially. Oh, so the, the merch department is hard at work on that. Hard. Well, it's at work. It's at Okay. Um, and yeah, all the, all the profit from that goes towards the fancy files. So, which is not nothing. Right. Right. We try to keep costs low, but what we do make, uh, you know, is used in the podcast. Good. Maybe on future guests. Perhaps. We never. We'll see what happens. Yep. Are you excited? Maybe we'll get some local pastor. That'd be nice. Yeah. And by local, you know, someone not too far. Yeah. Quebec not is not pre- someone who's out of their mind. Quebec is local. pretty <laughs> large, and so let's let's keep it local. Right. Okay. So we uh, in our last podcast started a brand new. Um, we're not going to say series because this series has been going on for a while. But we're going through the seven churches to Revelation, and we started, uh, depending on your translation, Pergamus or Pergamum. Since I read from the, the New King James and the King James, I typically say Pergamus. I don't know if there's other translations to say Pergamus. Now, if you are of the sort that you get the heavy jibbies and the, you know, you break out in a rash when you hear the King James, trigger warning. You might break out in a rash. I don't know what to tell you. You might want to get that checked out. Um, <laughs> hopefully, that's not a problem for you. Uh, we try to be mindful that if some people get really um, upset 
over certain translations. And they'll be like, I can't stand the King James. And they'll go read the Message Bible. Don't read so, the Message. So I, I can't figure people out. So if you're one of those people, hey, shout out to you if you want to write to us and be like, I'm one of those people that hate the King James and reads the Message. Maybe we'll shout you out. <laughs> out or I, down. I see the, the wheels are turning over there. Mick's wondering what he wants to say to that. I'll say nothing and keep my career. Uh, oh, fair enough. <laughs> Mick does not want to be canceled. Mm-hmm. Not today. Not for that. Not for that. Uh, so we did, in the last podcast, we read verse 12. What we're going to do is I'm going to get Mick to read uh, Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, I believe. So I'm going to begin by apologizing. Um, I misplaced my usual Bible. And so instead of the usual New King James that I read from, I'll be reading from the ESV, which is still a good translation, just, you know. But it won't say Pergamos. No, this one says Pergamum. So maybe other people who are like King James only who are listening might get bothered by that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They might break out on a rash. Hopefully not. No, no. Hopefully hopefully no rashes happen from listening to the Fancy File podcast. All right. So here it is. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum writes, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Thank you, Mick. Amen. Okay, so chapter one of Revelation, we have John, uh, the Apostle John, and he has a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a lot of symbols in what he sees. I mean, he's seen something, and those symbols actually represent something about the Lord. And so in that revelation of Jesus Christ in chapter 1, as we go through each church, Jesus reveals certain things about himself that is specific to that church, that something that that church needs. And I believe, even for churches today, because the Lord is not just only speaking to seven churches. And by the way, when you go through the Bible and you come across numbers, there are times where those numbers actually have significant meaning more than just the Lord is telling us how many people were counted. A lot of people believe that the number seven represents like the perfect number or the number of completeness. So the fact that we have seven churches, it's the, that complete number. This is a message not only to churches, but for churches throughout all history. And that can apply to every single one of us. Now, I know there's, and we talked about this in other podcasts, that there's Christians who have difference of opinions regarding, uh, you know, that the seven churches may represent different church periods in time. And maybe that's possible. Um, but for this specific church, we know when the Lord reveals himself, he talks about 
that sharp two-edged sword that came out of his mouth. Now, that's important, and we talked about that in the last podcast. If you missed it, check it out, because I don't want to repeat all that information, because I could do that, and we'd just be having two podcasts of the same thing. Now, after the Lord reveals himself in verse 12 to this church, he starts with words of commendation. Now, you're going to see this as you go through the seven churches. There's things that please the Lord. There's things that displease the Lord. He tells them what he likes. He tells them what he doesn't like. There's words of rebuke. There's words of warning. There's words of prophecy. And so we're in this specific church. These are one of the churches that had some problems. Not all the seven churches specifically had problems that the Lord brought up. But this church, this church had uh, some issues. But before we get into that, the Lord starts with these words uh, regarding things that please him about this church. Now, I do want to say this. It's encouraging to know that even if we're in a messy church, and guess what? We're probably in a messy church, that there are things that the Lord will be pleased with. It can be very easy to focus only on the negative, and if you go to a church where there's problems, you might focus on the negatives, and it might discourage you from going to church, or it might discourage you from listening to the leadership, or it might discourage you from participating in that church. But recognize that in the seven churches to Revelation, I think... And, we're, and as we go through it, we can confirm whether or not it's true because, you know, it's not like I, I have the best memory. But I think out of the seven, only one church, there was something, there was nothing encouraging about it. So that's six out of the seven churches where there was encouraging words spoke. And so I'm going to think that in the vast majority of churches that exist, even if it is messy that there are things in those churches that are good. We need to keep that in mind because as Christians, we can get a bit judgy. And we are called as Christians to discern. Obviously, if there's serious problems in a church, we shouldn't ignore it. The Lord doesn't ignore it. We shouldn't ignore it. But sometimes we focus so much on that that we'll tear down a church. Whether it's a church we go to or a church we hear about, we'll tear that church down. And we'll, we only think negatively about it. And everyone who goes to that church, negative. And I'm not talking necessarily about like a church that's totally in apostasy, that's preaching clear error, that's, that everything is off. I'm, not, I'm talking about churches that believe in the born-again message, what would be fundamental, orthodox, uh, evangelical, born-again teaching. Okay, We can be very critical of those churches but we need to remember that even in those churches, there are still good things. And that let's not necessarily give up on those churches. Pray that the Lord would move in and, and help if there is a problem. Whatever it may be. Whatever it may be. Because, hey, we're fallen people. There is no perfect church. I think I heard a pastor say, like, if you find a perf perfect church, don't go there because then it would stop being perfect. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a wake-up call to us because we think that we have like this perfect vision. 
Only the Lord does. Mm-hmm. Only the Lord does. And so having said that, focusing back on Jesus Christ, it's always important to go to the word to find out what pleases the Lord. Mm-hmm. Let's not just assume that we know what pleases him without reading the word of God. And this is something that I think we can get in trouble with now. Because we got to remember, it is his church. It's not our church. I know we look at it, we take ownership. But we can, as Christians, get into trouble in thinking we're doing the Lord's work when clearly what we may be doing might actually be contradicting clear revelation in the word of God regarding something that is being done that shouldn't be done. And so that's why we have to go to the Bible. We have to see what it says regarding how church should be done and what's acceptable. And not just for church, for our own lives, for how we live, how we conduct ourselves. Because, again, we might think, well, you know, the Lord is only saying this to churches. He says it to everything. And, and he says it to us personally. And the Bible does have things to say on how church should be done. It does. You go through the epistles. There's some of those epistles. You have chapters given over on say how spiritual gifts should be in operation. Why was that written? Because the church was in such chaos that the Holy Spirit would have to inspire Paul to write to that church and to correct them. Hey, what you're doing here, it's out of order. Now you'll get some Christians who will be like, it shouldn't be done at all. Well, if that was the case, Paul should have been like, why are you doing this? Don't you know this is going to pass away in about 15 years? Stop. No. The spiritual gifts were given to the church, are meant to be in operation, but it's meant to be done properly. And so here, here you, you have it. And it's the same thing even with, with structure and hierarchy. Uh, and I would even say in worship. We can go to the Bible and find out what's acceptable, what's not. I don't know if you guys want to add anything to that. My co-hosts are stunned into silence by the knowledge that they've been given. Yeah. <laughs> Mick's like, yeah, of course. I disagree. He's, 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 he's the number one fan here. It's almost. Almost. Are you going to say something? No, he oh, did. He I, just did. I guess I should. <laughs> no, I agree. Uh, we shouldn't, um, you know, stomp on churches. And, you know, that should obviously not be the dis- disposition of any Christian to want to stomp out or to, you know, um, extinguish any, like, smoldering wick, you know, or to toss out broken reeds, kind of like what we read in, I don't remember which passage of the Bible, but um, how the Lord doesn't toss the broken weeds or uh, smolder the... Uh, I'm really bad at paraphrasing right now. I'm thrown it's off the by the mi- fact that I have an ESV in front of me and not my New King James. It's the mixed standard version of the Bible. Yeah. Sharing. But no, it, there's just something that's so valuable about emulating christ and god's love uh in regards to his churches and the people within them Um, if christ can bring up positive things about churches that are lackluster 
then so can we. That's good. Like we we can do that too. In fact, yeah. in fact, if we're called to be like Christ, then we're called to do just that. Yeah, and and again, like obviously, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of churches around the world. Obviously, we don't know what's going on in those churches. Typically, you really find out about a church, especially now if they've done something really bad. Right, so then, then you're like, oh, what's this church doing? And and again, to clarify, we're talking about those that are of the faith. Because you do have thing, churches that call themselves churches that are not of the faith. They do not believe in sound biblical doctrine. And those churches, the Lord is not speaking to them saying, yeah, you've got some good things going on here. No, those churches are out of the faith. They do not know the Lord. They follow another Jesus. Um, or if you're of the type that believe oh, all religions are the same, they're not. If you believe that, that's wrong. And the Lord is not walking among those and saying, this belongs to me. It doesn't. No, obviously the Lord wants those people to be saved. He wants them to come into the body of faith. Uh, and we're also not saying that our specific denomination is that church. Some people will do that. This is our group. Uh, that's also wrong. The body of Christ around the world are in local bodies, local assemblies that call themselves churches. So you have the big church. These are all the people who are born again. How do you, Mick, Melanie, how do you enter the church, the true church, the body of Christ? What do you need to do? You must be born again. Born again. What does that mean? That means that I have been made a new creation, um, that I have heard the word, that I have received it, that I have been changed by it. Um, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Yeah. it's Yes, Melanie was going to say you've something. You've repented and believed the message of the gospel and that you've put your faith in Christ and his sufficient atoning work on the cross and that you've been saved by grace through faith as my... Tote bag says, "Amen." Thank you, tote if, bag. If, if if you were wondering what happened, Melanie pulled up a bag <laughs> next to her, and it said that. So now everyone knows. <laughs> yes, we are born again because we believe the message of the gospel. We receive it by faith. It's a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. It's not something you earn. There's no works involved. Religious works. It is faith. Faith alone, in Christ alone, grace alone, his mercy, on and on. Every single true born-again Christian is in the body of Christ that is around this entire world. And we have to remember, right, that we don't have to be on the same page about absolutely everything Mm -hmm. for someone to be considered a brother. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite, I think, uh, like Christian pastor friendships is between John MacArthur and the late R.C. Sproul. They had very different views on certain things, whether it be infant baptism or this or that, yet they were super close as people. BFFs. Yeah, they were like best friends. What about James White and Michael Brown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Someone, well. Somebody heard that and got a rash. I know it. <laughs> 
for sure. One or the other. Oh, you said his name. Oh. Yeah. Let's all relax. <laughs> but just to say, right, that you can have different views. I mean, even just around here, mm-hmm. around the rectangular round table, um, we have different views, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah, so yet, remember, yet we still all work together for the same goal. Um, you know, we might define certain things differently, but at the end of the day, whether you're a Calvinist or not, if you're sharing the gospel, doing outreach and evangelism, and your heart is that everyone gets saved, then I don't care. I don't care if you're a Calvinist or not. Good. I barely care that I'm a Calvinist. <laughs> He's a Calvinist? Shut it down. Put him in Someone's the f- getting many rashes we're right go- now. We're going to put that on your fancy file permanent record. <laughs> yeah. Someone get the talc. Okay. Rashes all around. Rashes. Hey Amen. That's a good point. Itchy rashes. Little hives. All right. Let's move on. Um, now, so every born-again Christian is in the universal body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, but then you have local assemblies, which are also called churches. I remember someone tried to argue with me about that. Oh, no, you're saying church and it's wrong. And it's like, okay, I know that there is the body of Christ and then there's a local assembly. Mm-hmm. And, and at times in the Bible, when it says church, it could be referring to, you could talk about the body of Christ and it could also talk about a local assembly. You got to read the context. You know, when Paul is saying to the church of, we know what he's meaning. Mm. He's talking about that local assembly in that community. And just remember, that church, the local church and the universal church, belongs to Jesus Christ. It's his. He set it up. He bought the church with his blood. He's the head of the church. He is in charge. Sometimes we think it's the pastors who are the head of the church. Mm. But that's wrong. Amen, that's good. That's wrong. That's not minimizing the role of a pastor. Pastors have very special roles. Uh, You need to pray for your pastor. Even if you disagree with your pastor on things, show respect to your pastor. Because your pastor is like, Jesus is the shepherd. And we can say a pastor is almost like an under-shepherd. He has a responsibility to the flock that Christ bought and paid for. But it's his. It's Christ's. The pastor didn't die for the church. The pastor is a part of the church. He is part of the local assembly. So that's why we need to remember, as the church, our goal needs to be to do what the Lord calls the church to do. And again, how do we find that out? Primarily through his word. I think somebody wanted to say something, Melanie. I. It was more, I don't know if it's a statement or a question. Maybe it's more a question. Um isn't there like a different, um, the way that church is written in the Bible when we're talking about a specific lo- local church, I think the author uses like a lowercase c, right? And then the body of Christ, isn't it used like with a, a capital? So I know that French does it oh. that way, where it's like big E, little e mm-hmm. for Eglise. I'm not sure that every translation does it in English. I feel like I've seen the big C, little C, but, you know, kind of like how we have God and then little yeah. G God. Yeah. 
um, or God's uh, yeah. generally when it's little G. Um, so I'm not sure if it's across the board, but it is something that I've seen. Yeah. Okay. Because maybe that could clarify things for people. But if, like you said, it's not in every single translation, we'll scratch what I said. But Well, and also context. Read the context. Yeah. Always, when you're reading the Bible, read the Bible in context. Yeah. Don't read one verse out of context. Mm-hmm. That, by the way, is how a lot of cults will get you. By quoting one Bible verse on its own, totally out of context, to fit their doctrine instead of reading the entire passage, the entire chapter, the entire book. And, and I mean like the letter itself mm-hmm. and, of course, the entire Bible. Mm-hmm. So always read it in context. Okay, so how do we find out what the Lord desires? In his word. But, but, but we are Pentecostal charismatic. Okay, at this rectangle table. So we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and we believe the Lord speaks to us today. When we say that, we do not, because right, I know rashes are breaking out. Um, we do not mean that when the Lord speaks to us today, that those words are authoritative on par with the Word of God. We do not believe that. We know that there are some on the Pentecostal charismatic side, probably more on the, the charismatic side, who do believe that. We believe those people are wrong. Your words are not the Bible. Amen. They do not carry the authority that Paul or that Jesus or any... I probably should have said Jesus first. Someone probably got a rash over that. Forgive me. Jesus, the apostles, uh, the Old Testament prophets, any of them, what they said, your words do not compare. Okay? If God did speak to you, it's not scripture okay if you get upset over that i'm sorry but maybe you need to get a little upset over that however saying all that we still does not take away from the fact that we believe the lord can speak to us do you guys believe that there can be other ways for the local church to discern the lord's will and it's not in the bible Hmm. i hope that question doesn't sound scandalous Mm. Well, for it one, can it, sound scandalous to yeah. some. I mean, it is a yes/no question kind of thing. Well, no, but like if it is yes, in what ways? Mm. So, if I may go first, no, you can't. Yes, oh, go for right. it. <laughs> um, so this is a it's a complicated question. So I would say yes, and before the pitchforks show up on my place. Um, I would say yes in the sense that I think God will use many things in order to point us back to the scriptures. Um, He won't ask us to do something that isn't aligned uh, with his word, with his reveal, because that is his revealed will. Right. And so in that sense, you know, everything I I believe will point back to. Um, But anyone who has preached has used... Um, stories and images. Jesus uses images, right? To they get, quote from books. They quote from you know quote from books and the Bible, the Old Testament quotes from other historical documents, mm-hmm. right? So there is this aspect in terms of uh, understanding God's will that is very connected with 
making it accessible to people. Um, not that I'm all for, you know, churches that use like movie clips, you know, on Sundays or whatever, but there is something about relating what people know to what God is calling us to do. Um, Paul did it in Athens. He didn't, um, become part of the culture, but he pointed to it saying, listen, here's what, here's what's what. And so I, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. Does Melanie have any thoughts on that? Can you ask the question again? No. Okay. (laughs) Well, Do, do you think that there are other ways that a local church can discern the Lord's will? That's not necessarily found in scripture. I might be wording it wrong, but when I explain what I'm thinking, I think that will clarify some things. Why don't you explain now? Because it might influence your answer. Suspense. Okay. Well, I think prayer. Okay. Right? If we pray, we might come to a conclusion. But every time we come to a conclusion, we have to test it. And we have to say, like, is this um, compatible with scripture um and also if you make a decision like with your local church um i think you have to ask for counsel and like if it's a church local church wide decision hopefully most people will come to the same conclusion and hopefully most people will be inspired by the holy spirit in the same way and that's going to confirm if it's true or not okay so I think that's maybe one way. Yeah. Yeah. So like what I'm thinking is, so because the word of God is God, obviously the Bible's God's word. Now for a local church in their town, let's say just for an example, well, we know we have to evangelize. We know that's, that's, we're called to do that. But it's like, you might be thinking, well, what does that look like for our church? Should we do track ministry? Should we set up a, a we'll say the word crusade, but like a, you know, like a rally. I mean, we'll use rally because crusade nowadays means back in the 80s, we knew what that meant. Now it's like, well, have a rally where we'll, we'll preach the word and invite people to come. Should we go door to door? You know, what, what should we do, Lord? And maybe you're thinking you're overthinking things, but you want to seek God's will, right? But in the Bible, it doesn't, there's no chapter that says, your church in this town on this day should do this type of thing. So, well, we know that God is calling us to do it. We know that from the word of God. But how we go about in doing it, well, maybe we need the Holy Spirit's guidance on that. So maybe the Holy Spirit does guide us. It might be more effective to do track ministry and go plant tracks everywhere. Maybe in some town, it might be more effective to go door to door. Maybe in some town, it might be effective to do a rally. Maybe all three. That's what I'm kind of getting at. Well, how do you discern that? Well, you, Melanie, talk about prayer. You seek the Lord. You, you're praying to get the Lord's direction on what to do. Now, if you come to a conclusion that we feel God is calling us to go out but not tell people about Jesus, we won't preach the gospel, we won't mention the cross, uh, you know, We'll, we'll, we'll do a local car wash evangelism. Well, if you're going in the word, and yes, we know the Bible doesn't talk and say, don't do a local car wash. 
Maybe the Holy Spirit inspires you to do a local car wash. And people come, you give them gospel tracts or whatever it is that you do. But if you felt that the Holy Spirit told you not to tell people about Jesus, not to preach the cross, that's a problem. Because the Bible tells us that that's what we're called to preach. So that's where you go back to the word. Is what we're thinking in any way contradictory to Scripture? And if we find, hey, wait a minute. Who came up with the idea we shouldn't tell people about Jesus? Jesus is the answer. There's no other name on heaven given among men whereby they might be saved. How are these people going to know? What If they see you doing a car wash, do you think a car wash? Anyone can do a car wash. The local scouts can do a car wash. Do you think that they're going to come under deep conviction? Oh my goodness, I'm a drunkard. I am lost. I cheat on my taxes. Thank you, Lord, for the car wash. Because that could happen anywhere. That could happen at the grocery store. That could happen when they go to an actual car wash. And they put their money in. And they're sitting in it as it goes to the machine. They could just get convicted that they've sinned. This is where we, it gets silly. Now, I'm not attacking churches that want to do stuff like that. Help the local community. I'm not saying that. But if you're going to do it and say that's evangelism and Jesus told us not to talk about him, you have a problem. And that's where you need to go. That's where the word of God has to be the foundation of everything. And we also can't forget, when we talk about seeking guidance in prayer, the one thing that we're not saying is uh, the whole, it's easier to ask forgiveness than to ask for permission. We're not saying, you know what, go to God in prayer uh, and say, this is what we're going to do, which is a big trend. And the irony of that is that the easier to ask forgiveness than for permission comes from the military and that actually had to do with doing good because in a bureaucracy where there's many levels of some sort of government or or whatever sometimes to get approval to do like a car wash or you know a food drive right you would have to go up the ladder and then it's like a year later you get someone gets back well it's like no do good now and then if they're upset, apologize for having done that good thing. We use it more in the sense of like, I'm going to tell God what I'm going to do. Yeah. So God, here's what I'm doing it. Uh, here's what it. I'm doing. Bless it. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, that's really not what's being And, and I know we've been talking about here. rashes. I know that there might be some people that are getting rashes over what I just said. Because there are popular teachings out there that are telling people, you know, they call it, they say missional living. But in missional living, and, and again, that word might mean a lot of different things to different people. So I cannot broad brush and say that everyone who says this thinks this way. But there is some. Missional living means doing good works without telling people about Jesus. Hmm. And so they'll do the car washes. They'll, they'll, they'll do food banks. They, now, these are good, like, car wash. But, like, food bank, obviously that's really important. Feeding the poor. We're called to do that, right? Yeah. But these are opportunities to tell people about Christ because there are a lot of organizations out there that are not Christian who do the same thing that Christian organizations do. But what separates us from them? 
the church has something that those organizations don't have, and that's the gospel. Salvation. People are hungry. Feed them. But they're going to be hungry again. They're going to need more food. They're going to come back. If we don't tell them about the Lord, if they don't know about Jesus, then when they die and they never heard it, they will die lost. Because if it was the food bank in and of itself, and that's what saves people, then you wouldn't need the church because anything out there that gives away food, whether it's a local government thing, a charity, whoever, it could even be a cult. People would be getting saved, but that's not how people are saved. Now, again, if you are hearing, don't do car washes, don't do food banks, you have not been listening. Go rewind and listen again. If you feel impressed upon the Lord to do these things, do them. Remember what your purpose is. The church isn't a glorified car wash or a glorified food bank. It is where the God's people come together, and then we need to go out and preach the gospel. So if our goals do not line up with what Christ says in his word, with what the word of God teaches, if it contradicts his word, you know, Jesus told me not to tell people about him. It's not from him, and it will displease him. Now, I think we should put the file back in the cabinet. That's where we're going to land the fancy file plane for this episode. So, I am your host, Greg the Scott. I hope that today was an encouragement to you. We also had with us Mick. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And Melanie. Melflow out. No one's going to know what that means, but she's out. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Bye.